Hi there, we're getting ready for Coffee Talk with Gary Mages from Mages and Price Law Firm. I am waiting for him to join me, so just give us a second. Um, there he is, and I... So... Hopefully... Hi there! Oh. Hello. How are you? I, well, now that I figured out and made it on here, I'm good. All right. <laughs> I know you are um, an Instagram newbie, so we are just uh, figuring all this out for you. Yep, not so, even 24 hours. <laughs> I know. I'm, uh, I appreciate the fact that you um, are here. So um, for those of you who are joining us, Gary is uh, my real estate attorney partner. We have been doing deals together for um, so several years. Um, I actually met Gary when he was on the opposite end of a real estate deal. And I've known his wife since high school. So that ages us just a little bit. <laughs> I think just a few years ago. <laughs> right, just a few years ago, yes. So, um, so Gary, can you explain to people um, who are not, because there are some people that are not um, from the Chicagoland area, why we use um, attorneys in our real estate transactions, as opposed to just a title company? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's because I, I know we're in the minority of states that do use attorneys for closings. Yeah. Although I think it's to the buyer and seller's benefit. Um, I actually think we are the preferred way of doing things, even though we're in the minority of states that actually use attorneys. I mean, the way I think about it is, you know, you're entering a legal transaction. So it's basically like, you know, if you have a plumbing issue to use an electrician, you know, why for a legal transaction would you not use an attorney? Um, because it's better to know what you're signing before you sign it and know what to expect rather than, in other states, or I've seen this even here with new construction, where a lot of times, you know, builders tell um, their their buyers, "Hey, you don't need an attorney. We'll, we'll handle everything." And then people find out later on, "Oh my goodness, this is what I signed," and by then it's too late. So it's best it makes the process go smoother, as well as protecting you when you are involved in a legal transaction to have an attorney on your side. Well, but I mean, but the contract is written by attorneys, right? And I think in a lot of the states, except New York, at least from what I understand, um, it's a standard document that we just, at re we as real estate brokers, as realtors, we just fill in the blanks. So we can't modify any of it. Only you as an attorney can modify the document. So why i mean so what does it matter you know if we're not able to modify anything you know and we can explain all the different clauses and addendums and everything what what does it what's the difference right so typically most contracts that people here will would enter into which is the multi-board 7.0 contract um it does have what's called attorney review clause so within the first five business days, typically from the time the seller uh, signs the contract, we as an attorney um, on, your, on the client's behalf have the 
right and the ability to modify the contract. So even though you sign something and later discover what you actually signed or what you actually agreed to, and that doesn't fit your needs or there's some other issue specific to the deal or the property going on that you want coverage for or that the basic form contract doesn't um, address, we have that ability to change it. And if the seller or the buyer doesn't on the other side of the deal doesn't agree to change it, well then you have two choices. One, you can either accept it, but then you're accepting it knowing what you're getting yourself into with the advice of your attorney. Or if it's just too much of an issue that for whatever reason um, doesn't meet your needs, we still have the ability to then terminate that contract. And if you're on the buyer's side, your earnest money would still be protected where there's basically no harm, no foul. So you could still unwind the, the contract that you signed, get your money back and move on from there. So what are some clauses in the, I, I know like the, um, one of the lines that I let you as the attorney negotiate is the tax proration. Because in every county, in every area of the city even, you know, some are being reassessed and some aren't. And so I, don't, I think it's more important to let you talk to the buyer or to the seller to decide what's the appropriate tax proration um, to accept as opposed to me determining what that's going to be. But what are some other common clauses that we might, um, might be rewritten in one of those um, in the contract? Right. So, so um, yeah, there's a whole host of them. Um, it really depends, too, on what side of the deal you're on. So, for example, if you're on the, the buyer's side, um, there could be things such or clauses such as maybe you need to sell your current property first in order to close on this deal. Um, or maybe um, you have a mortgage contingency in your contract and you want to make sure that should the property not appraise for the purchase price that you have some leverage um, dealing with the lower appraised value should that happen, which the basic form contract doesn't address that. Um, that issue. Um, there could also be things I've seen, such as uh, on the buyer side, some buyers even ask for pre-closing possession, um, which is again atypical from this from the standard contract. Um, maybe if it's a Chicago property, there could be issues such as zoning. Um, the contract, the 7.0 contract, doesn't address zoning whatsoever. So a lot of times, especially in the city of Chicago, you'll see uh, properties that are listed possibly as um, three units or two units, but yet they're only zoned legally by the city as a single family or a two unit, because a lot of times there could be a illegal third unit. Typically it's a lower level unit, but um, so yeah, so there's a whole host of issues that, in addition to the, you know, the taxes like Stacy mentioned. Um, seller side tends to be a little cleaner cut as far as making changes to country, but this, this contract in my opinion is really geared more towards the seller. So it does, pretty good job of catch or um, addressing most of the seller issues, but that's not everything either. There could be tax issues even on the, on the seller side. For example, the seller was entitled to exemptions, tax exemptions that were never applied for, that we could still, even during um, the attorney review period, have the seller apply for those exemptions, get refunds, and where it becomes a win-win, not only could you as a seller get the refund on the tax exemption, but we could also um, 
prorate or give the buyer a lower tax credit based on you getting those exemptions applied for. Um, or it could be post-closing possession on the seller side. So for example, maybe the closing date is you know, May 31st, but for whatever reason, schools or your new place you're moving to isn't ready till June 15th or later um, to negotiate that post-closing possession with the, um, with the buyer. So, um, yeah, so like I said, so every, so we're basically on the 7.0 contract for that very reason, because the first six versions didn't cover every issue that comes up typically. So, which is why we're in version 7.0, because um, with every new version, the contract tries to encompass everything. But of course, no matter how hard you try, there's always going to be issues specific to the deal itself that the form contract won't address or won't cover. So I know that, all right, so the multi-board is for throughout the Chicagoland area, the different suburbs, the different um, boards of realtors. And then we have the Chicago Association of Realtors, the car contract. Um, do you recommend that a realtor uses one over the other in order to, as a buyer's agent, to protect their clients um, more thoroughly? Um, I prefer, I think the 7.0 does a better job than the car contract for buyers and sellers. I, I mean, I work with both and I'm happy to work with both and, right. but I do make different changes for each of the two contracts. I think the 7.0 and maybe, you know, I don't know when the last time car updated their form contract. Um, but the ones I see are ones that I've seen for many, many years. So it doesn't seem like there's been too many updates on that one. Um, but I'm, you know, like I said, I could work with both. I'm happy to work with both. But I do, right off the bat, know on each contract, um, changes that for both buyer and so that we want to make immediately that both contracts sort of lack um, in their in their basic form. But the 7.0 is definitely more um, comprehensive and complete, I think. Okay. Now, okay, so now you are affiliated or you work with the title company. So what, so to explain again to anyone who's not from Il the Illinois area, how do you then work with the title company? Because you, you, you come into um, the transaction after we are under contract, either on the buy side or the sell side. Now, if you're representing the seller, you choose the title company. Um, and then what happens next in the transaction? From the, yeah. Yeah, which is actually another Illinois um, sort of um, minority way of doing things from other states. So a lot of other states, it's actually the buyer that picks the title company, um, which actually, in my opinion, to be honest, makes more sense because at the end of the day, when the closing is completed, the title policy is issued to the buyer. And it's the, it's the buyer that's going to be protected um, by that title policy. So really, in my opinion, the buyer really has more interest in making sure they get a title policy that they want because, it, like I said, at the end of the day, it's the, the buyer that's really the one sort of um, owning, obviously owning the property and holding the cards and has the, um, I won't say the risk, but if there is a problem, it's going to be most likely the buyer going back to the title company for, uh, for protection and for insurance and indemnification. With all that being said, though, like you said, Stacey, I mean, yes, in Illinois, um, we do a per contract and by custom have the seller choose the title company. And I understand the reason for that, and the reason is really because 
rule that, you know, like I said before, the buyer who has the interest in the title policy at the closing, it's the seller who needs to clear title. And what I mean by that is, so when we order a title commitment after you've gone under contract, then we look at that title commitment and see sort of what baggage the seller has on the title, whether it be a mortgages, uh, liens, judgments, um, anything owed to um, creditors or even the, the city or the village. And we have to work with a title company to clear all those what are called exceptions, which means exceptions from good title. So I could see where or why the sellers are in the title commitment because you have to work with the title company to clear off all those conditions. So at the closing, you could provide and give clear and good title to your buyer. Um, and that's where the choice of title companies really comes in um, because you, you as an attorney do want to work with a company that you have a relationship with um, because it'll be far easier and uh, I don't want to say easier, but more advantageous to your client to get those exceptions clear off a title when you're working with a title company that you have a relationship with. Because um, at the end of the day, insurance or title companies, they are insurance companies. So a lot of times what they're basing their decisions on for clearing title are their trust with you and in turn with your client. So for example, if I went at a particular item, you know, and I gave the title company all I had to clear title, to clear that particular lien or exception on title, a lot of times they're basing their waiving it on my representation, my vouching for my client and them having worked with me many times in the past to say, hey Gary, we know and we trust you that if you're telling us this should be off title, that this isn't an issue for whatever reason or, or we're good here, we're going to trust you and take your word for it. So, so that's why it's so it's advantageous to you, the seller, to work with an attorney to a title company that they have a good relationship with and a good trust because depending on what time your title, that could really help you and be the difference in closing your deal or not at the end. And have you, I mean, have you run into some problems where you've had trouble clearing title? Oh. And, 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 and what's been the worst, worst case uh, scenario? Like, has it delayed the closing or have you not been able to close on a property because of it? What? I will, I will tell you um, a great story to answer your question. So it was, I think it was late, yeah, late last year, early this year. I think it was late last year. But um, had a client who went under contract and within two days after signing the contract, passed away. Um, so then he was only entitled by himself. So then without a probate, and we didn't have time to probate because, like I said, we were already under contract with a closing day coming up the property would default to his heirs. So he had one quote-unquote son who, who would normally inherit the property. Right. However, as it turned out, the son wasn't really a legal son. It was an adopted son who was never adopted by the seller who had passed away. So in clearing title, not only do we have to convince the title committee that, hey, even though this son wasn't a legal son because the, the dad who was selling the property, the decedent, never legally adopted this individual, but always kind of held him out to be his son. So that was hurdle number one. But on top of it, we had to let the title committee know that, okay, this is the only living relative of the decedent, give affidavits and um, assurances to the title company that there were no other living heirs. 
So the telecom company then, and this is very typical, they went and started doing their own research. So what they did was they went online, started pulling up pictures from the listing, found pictures of the decedent's um, mantle over the fireplace with pictures of all these different people. And they started asking, well, who are these other people if you're telling us that he had no ears other than this one quote-unquote son who's really not a, a legal son? So then we had to start calling neighbors and getting neighbors involved and friends saying, oh, yeah, I remember Joe always said that, you know, Frank was his son, even though they really never adopted. And we're like, well, who are all these other people on his mantle? Oh, he had a lot of, a lot of friends. And by the way, the son, who wasn't really his son, had a wife who he called his wife, but they were never legally married, oh, who, also, who also had a, a, a child. And this was one of the pictures on the mantle. So, yeah, so then we had to hunt down the wife, who was never really a wife, to say that, yes, we were never legally married and there were no other heirs. So to answer your question, though, Stacey, believe it or not, we closed on time, and we got the tell company to insure all of this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. True story. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that opens up a whole other can of worms about having, like, trusts and, and all of that yes. for those situations so you don't and have to we, go into probate and on top of the son lived in texas and he was a reluctant son this guy actually i can tell you what he did for a living he was um he was a repo guy he, <laughs> he, he repossessed cars and he was the most he was the most um uh not cooperative client you'll ever want to work with or not work with um and every time we told, told him we need something else or this have dave or this you know, he would get angry and angrier every time, you know. Um, but, um, yeah. So when I like to hold out myself to tell people, you know, my motto is kind of we just get it done. That's the example I fall back on, that we just get it done. So. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, I know that some people think that, you know, attorneys, like, it's just another expense added on to the, the, you know, like, I don't want to pay an additional amount. Like, why do I need an attorney? Like, you know, and there's a range, right? Like, you can find an attorney that, like, for a very little amount, right? And then there's attorneys that pay or that costs. There, there's a whole range, right? I've seen attorneys that pay t that cost two fifty, and then I've seen attorneys that cost thirteen hundred, right? And there's a whole range, and obviously the level of service or the um, I don't want to say you get what you pay for because that's not always true, but I believe that it if you're especially for a first time home buyer, right? You this is the most important decision you're ever going to make. And to have someone like you, especially for a first time home buyer, you explain everything so well. And the money that it costs to use your services is so important. It's invaluable because I would never feel comfortable doing any of the work that you do. Um, and, and so do you get people who call you up and say, I don't get why I need to use you? 
but my realtor told me I needed to call someone. You know what, it's funny you asked that because I literally just had that question asked yesterday afternoon. Um, I was, or was a potential seller asking mm -hmm. thing from another state who's not, like you said, not used to or using attorneys and selling a property here and said, you know, why do I need, you know, why do I need to hire an attorney and start with the money and, you know, um, and the realtor asked me, my clients or potential clients realtor asked me, you know, that very question. And what I said to her was, it's a small price to pay for number one, to make the process go smoother. Here in Illinois, like we talked about already, we do use attorneys. And if you don't use an attorney here, you're kind of trying to fit a round peg in a square hole and that you are going to have a difficult time, number one, navigating the process. And number two, like you mentioned, Stacey, protecting yourself. Again, it's a very small price to pay for a few hundred dollars. You could get all the experience of a good real estate attorney and protect yourself. Um, and you are protecting yourself. I've seen it over and over again where every now and then people go unrepresented and for what they saved on a few dollars in attorney fee, cost them thousands for things that were missed or fees that they paid or taxes that they paid that they could have avoided just by paying a real estate attorney, you know, anywhere from a few hundred dollars, you know, uh, to represent them. And then I have one last question, you know, because there's a lot of other attorneys that, um, you know, um, believe that because I'm an attorney, I can represent myself through this real estate transaction and nothing against other attorneys and what they practice. But why should, why is it important to have a real estate attorney represent um, me uh, throughout my real estate transaction as opposed to just an attorney yeah no great great question and people do try to save money that way by saying oh i'm just going to use you know uncle joe who's an attorney you know although uncle joe might be a divorce attorney um no we're all niched i mean as attorneys so i mean just because you have the label attorney i'm look i'm not qualified and i don't want to touch so many other areas of law you know um and i'll be the first one to if I get approached for some other type of work, say, no, you know what? Let me get you a divorce attorney. Let me get you a traffic attorney or, or a criminal attorney. I will not touch that. We have our niche. So somebody that deals with that area of law every day is number one, going to be better, have better experience in helping you navigate the process. Number two, when issues do come up, hopefully everything is you know, perfectly smooth and there's never ever an issue. But the reality is you know, we do face issues here and there. Um, and if you have an attorney with that experience and knows how to work your work their way through it and get you to the finish line with a positive outcome, that's worth everything. Whereas a divorce attorney or a criminal attorney, yes, they have the label attorney, but they're not going to know what to do when that comes up. In fact, right now, um, I'm even dealing with a couple of sellers who are divorcing. And initially, um, they were asking before, as they went under contract, and I'm, I've copied on all these emails. They were asking both their divorce attorneys different questions. And I'm looking at the responses, like just rolling my eyes, thinking, no, 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 please. Let me, you know, and I finally convinced them that, hey, look, I don't want to touch your divorce. Please have your real, your divorce attorneys don't touch a real estate closing because all they're going to do is mess it up for you and steer you wrong. Let me, I go, 
I know what I know. Let me guide you. And believe me, you'll be, you'll be so much happier at the end that you listen to me as a real estate attorney. And I promise you, I won't get involved in your divorce at all. And they did start listening to me and we're closing next week and everything has been super smooth and everybody's on board. So the divorce attorneys were commenting on the real estate transaction. Yes, as they went under their contract, they were reviewing the contract for their respective clients and copying me on these emails, giving them advice on different paragraphs on the contract. And I kept looking like, no, no, please stop. <laughs> you know? um, but I finally just called the client and said, look, you know what? I'm not trying to step on your divorce attorney's toes. I'm sure they're very good divorce attorneys. But when it comes to real estate, please. I represent both of you equally. I'm not taking sides and I'm not, I don't favor either of the two of you, right. but I represent you both equally, but please listen to me on your real estate because this is what I know. This is what I do every day. This is what I can help you with. And at the end of the day, you, you will be much happier. The process will be smoother with less stress, anxiety, and everything will work out and just let me do my thing. And, you know, let me, let me handle the real estate end of it. Your divorce attorneys handle the, the divorce side and we'll all right. be better off. And now, we are we're all good closing next next tuesday wow wow yeah i just know that that's been one of the issues that i have had come up and so it, i know it can be a challenge but it is great advice to make sure that you're working with the person that has the specialty for whatever type of uh law you need yeah. so i wouldn't have you write my uh will or my um trust and I wouldn't have my estate planning attorney handle my real estate transaction. Yeah. She would it's, say, no way. Yep. She, so. It's apples and exactly. just like, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like electrician plumber. You don't want your electrician right. working on your, on your plumbing. You don't want your plumber working on your, your, your uh, electrical panel, you know? So same, exactly. I mean, even though we both have the same label, it's, it's even commercial real estate attorneys are not the same. You don't even want a commercial attorney representing you when you're buying a house. Same token, I don't, I don't do commercial deals. To, so you, you don't even want to mix commercial and residential. They're apples and oranges. Well, and, and just like your partner, your partner handles the real estate litigation side, and, and you don't. Yes, nor do I want to. <laughs> right, right, and that's what he enjoys doing. Yes, but, thank God for right. people like him. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, well, I do appreciate your time. I know you're busy, so. Difficult difficulty. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, I do appreciate your time, and I want to thank your daughter for getting you uh, onto Instagram. So um, I can't wait to hear what Dory has to say about all of this. She'll be very impressed <laughs> with you. I hope so, and I appreciate you having me and the opportunity to to speak here and thank you so much and you're a joy to work with and i appreciate well, everything you. you do thank you so much i appreciate you and everyone there you'll have to tell melissa i said hi so um you you uh wouldn't uh get as much done as you do without her and i know she isn't there today so <laughs> otherwise i would have had you bring her on as well yep this is this is known as my quote-unquote vacation day every wednesday <laughs> no you're so busy, hard at work. Yes. Or my, or my, or AKA my lost puppy day when Melissa's not here. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, right, exactly. You're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yes. She is uh, the brains behind the operation. Yeah, she is good. So, I appreciate you yeah. saying that. So, well, I thank you so much, and you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you, Stacey. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.